Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. How do people get involved with cults? How do you escape from a cult? Are there connections with government mind control methods? Hello and welcome to the 683rd edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben and those credible questions came from my co-host, uh, dad and partner in the paranormal and also lover of alliterations, my dad, Paul. <laughs> So today we welcome a new guest on a subject we've never devoted a show to before. And uh, we welcome your calls today. The numbers are 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, or 401-766-1240 anywhere and anyone else. Anyone else. right? You're right. That's good. Vanny Koshis is an Amazon.com best-selling author and an advocate for cult awareness and child abuse prevention. Her book, Cult Child, details her religious extremist childhood and Sam Fife's Move of God cult. Vanny is currently writing Rise of Scylla, the sequel to Cult Child. Her additional publications uh, include Dusted Shelves and Becoming a Gratitude, del- and those delve into her aspects of trauma healing. Vanny's story, poetry, and art have been featured in the Inter- International Cultic Studies Association's journal, as well as their 2014 and 2016 national conferences. She has been interviewed in the media, uh, including this show, and has uh, almost two- 20,000 online followers. Uh, there is an online collective presence of almost 20,000 followers. Uh, she connects widely with other abuse survivors and shares her own healing journey. Uh, her blog is vennywrites.com and her website is vennycocious.com. That's V-E-N-N-I-E-K-O-C-S-I-S.com. You'll find a link on the uh, show's page at the behindtheparanormal.com, our site. So, Vinny Koshis, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Thank you. Good morning. Well, good morning to you as well. So I guess we should start with, well, from the very beginning. So, Vinny, you were open, you opened your book with a uh, cross-country trip in a hot car with your mom on your way to join a cult in Ware, Massachusetts, conveniently not too far away from us, uh, which is practically within our listening distance as well. What is this uh, cult, and how did your mom get drawn into it? Uh, well, the lady who recruited my mother, um, it probably took her around four years. They were friends. So okay. it happened very slowly. Yeah, um, could you could you speak up a little bit, please? I'm turning it up right now. Okay. Sure. Great. Sure. Let Thank me, you. Let me turn the volume up here. Great. Can you hear me a little bit better now? That's better. Much better. Okay, great. Uh, my mother was friends with a woman for around four years, so one year before my birth. And when... Uh, I was around two years old. She started inviting her to Bible studies and uh, in California. And so that's how it began. Um, innocent Bible studies that turned into church, that turned into the world as ending. You need to tell your husband, it's time to head to the wilderness. Okay. And uh, what did you, this is when, and your father was still, with the family, what uh, mm-hmm. what was his reaction? Well, at the time, my father was working on the project to design the F-14. And so he was gone a lot. And whenever they were doing testing, he would be locked down for two, three weeks. Uh, so that was a good time for uh, this woman to work on my mother. So each time he would come home, my mother had changed. There was a lot of arguing going on with them. 
uh, he wanted her away from them, and they had already captured her mind. Uh, he told me the last time he came home, she had moved bunk beds into the home and had allowed a few of the cult members to start staying at the house, and at that time, he just said, you know, that that's it. Okay. Uh, we're getting divorced, so... And when you mentioned the F-14, that's the F-14 fighter aircraft he was uh, he was working on. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, how, how, when was this, what year was this, and how old were you when you left for Massachusetts? I was three, and it was 1973. Okay. I, I, it's funny, I, when we uh, did our preliminary um, conference call before we booked you on the show, or actually after we booked you, but we just wanted to get to know you a little bit, uh, we happened yeah. to be coming back from a book, a book event, Ben and mm-hmm. I, and we um, were, were driving through on the Mass Pike, where Massachusetts, which kind of kind of uh, creeped you out, right? Yeah. So tell yeah, us about yeah. the cult. What was it like there in Massachusetts? Was it uh, just sort of give give us a, a picture of what you found when you were sure. a child? I don't have a lot of memories from where I classify that place as a horror camp. Uh, Like, I don't recall being separated from my mother. I imagine it was quite traumatic, and that's why those memories are blocked for me. Um, So they um, separated the families. Children were classified into units by age. And um, I don't recall going to school. Um, I just recall working. So they worked us from the time the sun came up until the sun came down. You were either in the field, in the kitchen, in the barn, doing something, working, uh, because the you know part of the doctrine was that idle hands were the devil's work, and that included the children. So, uh, so one of Sam Five's uh, philosophies was also that you know he believed in demon possession. So pedophiles were welcomed to the cult um, because they believed that they could cast that demon out of them, and. Uh, um, anything a child did was a demon. So, so we were really beat a lot, a lot. Um, and there wasn't like you got beat and you got to heal. You got beat and you got up the next day and you went to work. Wow. Um, it was a very, very, very horrible place. Uh, there was a huge uh, kind of barracks. And so we lived in the upstairs. The downstairs was where meals and church happened. And then there was another little white, house that I believe was once like an officer's quarters where the boys stayed and my brother was there. Okay. So the the abuse was not just psychological, it was physical. Oh, absolutely, yeah. and sexual. Okay. Well, what about the police? I mean, did, did anyone get word out that this was going on? And, uh, I mean, it, it, it seems that at that point there would have been some attention drawn by the nature of this place, uh, and that area is rural, but it's not so rural that you can get away with anything. Uh, was was there any attention to these to this cult by the authorities? I, I'm not sure. Okay. You know, I don't know. At that time, you know, there were a lot of cults. I mean, it was the cult era, and so yeah, I don't was, know yeah. how closely police were looking at, at cults. I do recall. Um, Right before we left and were sent up to Alaska, that uh, they brought us all into like um, 
the round circle in the front of the tabernacle and brought the families back together. And they did tell us that some of the devil's um, uh, minions were coming from the state. You know, I mean, that's how they classified things. It was either yeah. God's army or not God's army. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do remember uh, my mother felt very foreign to me because I hadn't been around her much. And then I do remember the black cars coming, and then that's it. I don't remember anything after that. So as far as I understand, though, the compound stayed open after, even after we left, I mean, into the 80s, so, yeah. you know, the later 80s. I understand now that the cult has sort of uh, fractured after the death of this Sam Fife uh, into uh, different mm-hmm. groups, but it still more or less exists in some form, or several forms, actually. That, that's my understanding. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 you know, I mean, just like a lot of these nonprofits that swindle, they, they change their names, they re-register, they break down, they sell land. Sure. They've done all of that stuff, but for instance, if you look at uh, their convention schedule this year, then you'll be able to piece together all of their brother and sister, you know, churches and compounds, um, because that's where a lot of the conventions are being held. And then there's more where they don't have conventions. Okay. What was the, do you remember what the diet was like? And the reason I ask is that sometimes lack of protein can lead to, and other, other dietary tricks can lead to, uh, suggestibility and, uh, better cooperation in this situation. I know the, the Japanese army in World War II, um, they would feed POWs just, it was just rice, I yeah. think. So, that, so, because without like certain nutrients, your body becomes more like susceptible to different ideas and your mind starts to weaken. Yeah. So, uh, I think we did that more with sleep deprivation because, to be honest, we ate quite well. Yeah, sleep we deprivation ate, too. We, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, they definitely use sleep deprivation uh, probably more than anything because not only did they work you into exhaustion, they woke you up. Um, ah, yeah. During the night to pray, but as far as like meals, um, I mean, we did eat quite well. They killed everything kosher um, as far as the animals. My brother recalls being taught how to kill a pig that way. Yeah. Um, but I do have to say that withholding of, of food was part of punishment. Okay. So if you messed up, you sat at the table with your hands folded while everyone else ate. So not only were you not getting to eat, you were being publicly humiliated as well. Okay. Now, we're talking about, obviously, mind control techniques. Now, mm-hmm. I'd have to point out that in this show, we, we've never really gotten into that. There are some cases we've worked on and are working on that involve suspicious changes in public behavior that may be electronic in nature. But, you know, that's that's all. Right. Nothing you can put your finger on. What, what sort of people were involved here? And what I'm really getting at here is, is with, with possibly mind control techniques at work, was everybody pretty much the same as far as behavior, thinking, even health? Well, no, there was a classist system. If you were an elder, your family had more privileges. Uh, I know elders' children who didn't even know that some of the abuse was going on. Ah. Okay. Um, that were sheltered. Very few, but some that were sheltered. Um, for instance, Buddy Cobb's children... You know, they grew up in Florida. I saw. He's one of the one of the leaders. Yeah. Yeah, one of the leaders. Um, She has on jeans and like a belly shirt. Oh, we would have. We we weren't even allowed to wear jeans. So you know, there was that difference. There was definitely a classist 
system within the cult. Okay. So, uh, did you, what happened with your mother? Did she, I mean, it's in the book, of course, but what, did she escape or did, tell us how you escaped and uh, did she come with you? Well, now you're having me give away the ending of the book. Oh, um. <laughs> okay. Well, w- perhaps um, w- without doing that in too, too egregious way. a manner, perhaps you could just uh, say... There was a traumatic incident with my sister. Okay. Okay. Um, and because of that traumatic incident, they banished us from the cult. So although that incident was very traumatic for her, it was a blessing in disguise because we got off of the cult. Uh, but understanding that when you leave a cult or when we left, there weren't any resources for us. They don't give you any money. They went through all of our things before we left in case there was pictures or notes or I don't know what they were looking for. Um, and I was able to get a few little pictures that I had of my two friends there out. Um, and that's it. You're done. There's uh, You're not allowed to have contact. Um, you're shunned, you're banished, and yeah. that's what they did. Okay. So, and, and uh, just to, to give the audience background here, you had uh, two siblings with you? Mm-hmm. An older brother and sister. Yes, okay. Uh, how did they fare later in life? In other words, what, what, what I'd like to get at here is, is the abuse that occurred, what damage mm-hmm. did it do, and how did you and they fare in later life? I know we definitely struggled. You know, going... First, even transitioning, which is what I'm writing about now in my sequel, uh, to living on a compound with no electricity, uh, no television, no access to the outside world, to be thrust into secular society uh, for, you know, a long time you live your life mimicking. Because you don't really know how to do things. Like, my worst fear was that I would be called on first. And then, of course, I'm in a situation where I might not know the answer. I might not know how to do something that's common for other children. So that was the big thing. Now, my brother ran away in Alaska. Mm -hmm. So he ran away when he was 15. He took one last beating and said, I'm out of here. Yeah. And he followed him into the woods, you know. Just to make the link. uh, to, uh, all this didn't occur in Massachusetts. There was there was a period right. when you were in Alaska. So uh, just mm-hmm. why don't you just give us the logistics of that? Sure. Uh, they moved us to Alaska. The way that I can track it back is a, a year before the Alaska pipeline dividends began to pay out. So it appears that because that's where the most compounds were, there were five at the time in Alaska alone. Okay. That that's what they were shooting for. Uh, you put two hundred people on a compound at about a thousand dollars a year. That's a nice haul for the cult every year. Mm. But they're swindling people out of that. Their child support money, everything went to them. So that they moved us all up there, and they're still up there today. The the compound I was on in Delta Junction still exists today. Okay. One of the things that we notice with such negativity in groups like this or areas where there's so much negativity and people are being abused and everything, is that sometimes there is paranormal activity that can result from that. And, and, and you've got people talking about the devil and, and demons and all this sort of thing, and mm-hmm. everything was demonic. Uh, do you remember, and I know that the memories can be spotty here, do you remember anything that might really have been considered paranormal that may have occurred, any kind of poltergeist activity, uh, 
all of which, of course, they would have figured was demonic. Uh, do you remember anything of that kind? Uh, because well, we, any kind of gift that you had. I mean, I was a clairvoyant child, so, I mean, that was a demon. But I do have to say there's, there's questionable um, relations with the government because we were taken to Fort Greeley. And so if you look on a map of where Delta Junction is in relation to Fort Greeley, Hart, Poker Flats, where all of the electromagnetic testing is being done, yes. field waves and things like that, we don't have memory, or me and my sister, okay, don't have memory of what happens after we get taken through the gate. Um, so we were taken to the military base quite often in a white van, and I remember them waving us in. Interesting. So that means we either had a sticker or they knew who we were. Yeah. So there's, I can only, you know, give a hypothesis of what I think might have happened because I don't have the actual evidence, but there's mm-hmm. definitely a connection. Okay. I, I give this sort of a, a, grain of, a grain of salt or, or whatever, but have you ever mm-hmm. uh, done past life regression? Or not past life regression, but, you know, um, like regression therapy. Uh, no, I, w- I would not ever do that. Oh, now, do you mean then uh, what's, what's hypnotism to go back to yes. the, me- the memories that were lost? Yes. Oh no, yeah, we're not no, talking. No, I about. would never. I would never do that. Interesting. Okay. Uh, may I, may we ask why? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I'm really cautious about influence. Um, I don't even know if I could be hypnotized at this point uh, because my mind is so clear. I don't think I would give control of my mind over to someone else. Um. If I even stepped into that arena, it would have to be filmed. So that would be more my concern is that um, I've dug up my memories on my own, and I'm strong and I have the capability in my mind to do that. So um, I would just be concerned about influence, somebody influencing me, not asking the right questions in the right way, which would make me kind of create a memory instead of actually grab a real one. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I actually, I tend to agree with you. Uh, nobody's ever been able to hypnotize me and, and that sort of thing. And, and uh, yeah, I sympathize with what you say. Uh, Are you uh, Irish? I beg your pardon? Are you Irish? Irish? About one-eighth. Yes. So you can kiss okay. me very, very gently, <laughs> quick peck on the cheek on uh, St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, there's that joke that the Irish can't be hypnotized, so that's why I asked that. <laughs> oh, really? I hadn't heard that. Well, the, the yeah, question yeah. of hypnotism, in, and this is, I don't want to get off track here too much, but mm-hmm. the question of hypnotism is, is an open one. I remember when I started the paranormal it was, the research, it was uh, uh, very highly regarded, and then it fell into disrepute, and now it's kind of back. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of gray area in it, um, because there's, there's still, you're still open to suggestion, if the person who's hypnotizing you doesn't ask the right kind of questions, mm-hmm. you get right. the wrong kind of answers. It's like if a, if a policeman asks you, okay, if, if you're like witness to a, a, like a break-in or something, or like you know, a robbery, like okay, well, what did the guy look like? Did he hold a gun? Like asks asks leading questions like that. So it's so, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's yeah, you know yeah, it's yeah. So let, let, let's get back now to this possible government connection. The uh, if you pardon the cliche, the meat and the potatoes, or, or in this case, the protein, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this connection. Now, I did a little research on Sam Fife and some of these other people, and I, I, I there's ver- there's not that much information out there. I was trying to find some possible previous involvement with government operations on, on their part. Um, mm-hmm. Have you been able to find any 
concrete connections between the people who led the cult and the government service previously or anything of that kind? I don't know a lot about Sam Fife and who his parents were. And I do believe maybe his father was military and he has military in, the, in his background. Yeah. Doug McLean is a real good one to do some research on. Uh, he helped broker the land. Uh, the only connection that we have is, you know, like I said, being taken to the military base. Um, and then my sister has a couple of memories. Of, she didn't know what Harp was. Um, yeah. She's been married, you know, her whole life in a very sheltered marriage. And she had told me a couple of years ago, I remember us driving up the mount- to the mountains and remember those like big huge windmill things and I said like a lot of them and she said tons and tons and that's when I knew what she was talking about but she couldn't say the word you know she didn't know what it was okay um so that is the closest we can come now I do know and I have this article from uh, I think it's the Los Angeles Times uh Bill Greer who currently runs Whitestone Farms in Alaska uh, where the governor's been, and, uh, where one of the senators attends church. Um, back in 1977, he and another man were arrested uh, for trying to cast demons out of some kids at a high school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they have a little bit of that sketchy behavior. Even back then, it was in the news. Abuses were being reported. Nothing was done. So- but to say, you know, this person was a colonel in the military, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. So would you say, um, mm-hmm. as, as someone who, who did experience this, would you say that the practices done by the cult, were, the, were they done on purpose for mind control, or was it sort of, you know, in, incidental? Well, I mean, you'd have to ask me how I look at mind control. You know, you all were talking about hypnosis earlier. I kind of feel like, you know, in America, everybody's hypnotized. I mean, they're walking asleep in a way um, because uh, those methods are used um, as far as, like, voice inflection, screaming, uh, and then being quiet during a sermon. Preachers use these methods. Salesmen use these methods, um, these neuro-linguistic ways in which they talk. Um, so those methods were definitely used in the abuse part of it with the eye spas, the sleep deprivation. These methods that were very militarized were used. Um, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but, I mean, brainwashing happens very slowly. Like, think about a relationship with a narcissistic person. They're going to love bomb you in the beginning and tell you how amazing you are. And you are God's chosen person. And then slowly they break you down. And suddenly you believe you're nothing. And you can't trust anybody. And you know they put you in that state. We don't know who you can trust. you got to be careful who's watching you. Constant paranoia. So that existed every day. I think no, that, that was the, that. That's actually what I was what I was going towards. Was um, if it was if it was you know on on purpose, like they knew they knew what they were doing rather than you mm-hmm. know le- legitimately caring. But obviously, it doesn't seem like it was a legitimate you know caring. Mm-hmm. If you start a cult, usually it's based around someone who has some sort of a narcissistic personality, like you said. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I'm thinking there that- were people who I just want to say this. There were people who did care. 
um, you know, that were members. I mean, there were people that came in that said, wait a minute, you know, this is crazy, and then got kicked off. Um, my brother ran away and told the police, my sisters are being abused. They did nothing. No. So there is that question, and my brother had ran away twice. And the first time he ran away, he tried to tell the state trooper who picked him up, please don't take me back there. They took him back. So there's that question. Why are they not investigating, and why have they taken these children back to a place that they know they're being abused? Well, this this is getting to the crux of what we wanted to talk about, and we've taken a long time to get there, but people needed background. What possible connection is there between this cult or was there uh, and HARP, you mentioned HARP, the, uh, which is an acronym for the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program, which we'll get into in a bit. And we, we'd like to know, uh, were you being experimented upon? Was this cult it's, a front? It's possible. Yeah, exactly. So it's let's take our break. Let, let's take our break and we'll be right back. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and our fascinating guest, Vinny Kosius, on WON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley, broadcasting for its 70th year. We'll be right back. This is Bob Vila, and my daily home improvement tip will help you keep those little problems around the house from becoming big ones. The Bob Vila Home Improvement Tip of the Day can be heard every day on ON 1240 WON Woonsocket Radio at 745 in the morning. The Bob Vila Home Improvement Tip of the Day is brought to you by... Cumberland Kitchen and Bath Design Center in the McDonald's Plaza, Menden Road in Cumberland. Visit them online at cumberlandkitchen.com. And we're back already. It is Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, WOON 1240 in uh, our lovely Blackstone Valley here. And we are talking today with Venny Koshis about her uh, experiences with a cult, her escape from it, and its possible connections with some pretty strange government-related stuff. Uh, in the meantime, we will uh, re- remind you later of some uh, charities our show has adopted, a lot of veterans' charities on either side of the Canadian border here, uh, and a number of other um, good pl- good things that uh, can be done with your time and a little bit of your money, if you can spare it, uh, help for Haiti and some other uh, great charities, one in uh, out in California, Los Angeles, um, and so uh, Youth Mentoring Connection, and uh, we'll continue with that during our announcement. So, but let's get back to our talk with Vinny. Uh, Vinny, uh, so uh, in your story, we're now in Alaska. Uh, the cult has moved you there, and you've got a number of rather strange government operations going on around, and you had a memory of being taken in a white van uh, into a base, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, now with this HARP program, a lot of people talk about it. Again, it stands for High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program. Ostensibly, it's supposed to be doing uh, research uh, of uh, what's going on in the ionosphere, which means uh, they're interested in magnetics, electromagnetics, uh, magnetic field of the earth, this sort of thing. But we have found some very strange things going on with, with behavior, human behavior, in areas where you have uh, electropollution of the kind that might be produced by these facilities. Do you remember what happened when you were on this base, uh, or is that just has that slipped away? Because we find that in areas where this possible mind control, for lack of a better term, is going on, people have gaps in memory, uh, and their behavior can be pretty pretty strange. So tell us more, if you could, about uh, visiting that base. 
Sure. And I wanted to tell you it was very interesting that you asked me that question about experimenting because my therapist asked me that same question. Really? Okay. A couple of weeks ago. Like, uh-huh. do you think that this is possible? So yeah. she had that same thought. Um, I don't remember. I mean, those memories are blank. So either our memories were wiped or it was so horrific what we either witnessed or experienced that we just have blocked it out. I have, I don't just have one memory of being in that van. Um, and I wrote about this in my book. I have, you know, several memories and one of them even being taken to have a surgery. And I have the scar from the surgery, but I don't know what the surgery was for. And I remember asking my mother post-cold, what did I, you know, what was this? And she could not remember. Really? And now that I'm a mother, that's just so odd to me because I remember, you know, every bruise and scrape and certainly surgeries that my children may have had. So. Absolutely. Are you in contact with other former, you said no contact was permitted, but have you uh, encountered in, in your work uh, to help abuse victims and cult victims anyone else who was involved in this cult in Alaska at the time? Who, who shared yeah. the same experiences you have? Mm-hmm. I've been in contact with many, I mean, that were on differing compounds all over the United States. I mean, that was one of the horrific things that I discovered when I began to write Cold Child in 2008. And I found a Yahoo group with around 600 current and ex-members of the move. I stayed there for a while. I was very angry and kind of happy to be able to say what I had to say to the people that were there, but some of the abusers were coming into the group and continuing to verbally abuse the already abused, and so I ended up splintering off and kind of making my own group, and then we all moved to Facebook, but I've got friends that were at where with me and my siblings, um, and then also in Alaska, and interestingly, there's one gal who was one of my sister's friends who remembers everything about me, and I do not remember her at all. So there is a lot of memory fragmentation and splitting and things like that. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's quite a few, and there's um, a couple that have written books as well. Okay. It just, it just has, uh, particularly the Alaska experience, does have... Uh, to me, DARPA written all over it, smoking gun kind of mm-hmm. thing. DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, yes. which uh, runs a lot of these facilities in Alaska and uh, that we just know about. Now, it's interesting, the Navy, the Air Force, and the University of Alaska were involved in, are involved in the HARP program. Okay. Um, there are civilian agencies and universities involved in this. And so it's just interesting that uh, there's a lot of uh, security and uh, uh, classified information involving universities as well. People think universities are so liberal and everybody can think what they... And there's a lot of government involvement there that is clandestine and is very closely guarded information. Mm -hmm. So there we are. Um, So I'm just... I wish we... This looks like a smoking gun. And mm-hmm. um, so the, the next obvious question would be, after your involvement in the cult, did you ever have any, I'll say, paranormal experiences, or were you ever, uh, do you believe you were ever, ever followed, uh, observed, surveilled, that you know of, you know, following this experience? I do believe that we were followed, definitely, and I did have paranormal experiences, and I still have paranormal experiences. I mean, Washington is where I live, Washington State, and it's just rife 
with sightings in the sky. Um, But, um, like, my sister remembers a man. She took a job at a pizza hut in the little town that we ended up in. So this is just one example of, like, oddities that happened to us. And this man came in, and uh, he sat down at the table. She came and served him. He said, do you like it here? She said, yeah, it's okay. He was like, good, good. You look really good. And she said, thank you. Um, she served him. He left. He left her a $100 bill tip. And I remember she came home just like, because we were very poor, just like, oh, my God, you know, I got this $100 tip. But later, when she looked back, she said to me, I know who that was. She did not recognize his face at that moment. But when her mind was a little bit clearer, because at that time we were only like a couple years off of the coal, she was able to identify his face and say his name. So why was that person all the way down in Tennessee, in this little town where we were, knew where my sister worked and left her such a large tip just to check to see, how do you like it here? Are you doing okay? I don't know if it was to see if she would recognize him where her mind was at, what she remembered, was the memory wiping still working, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know, but it's possible. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Uh, in intelligence work, you know, you, you, you just, you can't put your finger on anything. You know, there, there's a clue mm-hmm. here, a clue mm-hmm. there, and half of them are to get you looking some other way. Uh, Vinny, right. before we burn up this hour, uh, we wanted to, uh, have you talk about your book, your website, where people can find out more, and anybody who happens to be looking at us, uh, the jarring experience of actually seeing us here in the booth, uh, on a computer or something, uh, we're holding up the book for everyone to see who can. Technically, our producer is. Uh, that's right, our, our, our gallant uh, producer, Josh, yes, absolutely, who is not wearing a bow tie. Okay, so um, well, please tell us, Fanny, about uh, about the book, sure. and again, your website and the blog and everything else you can, can think of to okay. try and help people. Well, you can find everything um, at my website, and thanks for spelling it out um, in the intro. I really appreciate that. Uh, at VennyKoshis.com is a good hub to fall down the rabbit hole. Um, and K-O-C-S-I-S is how you spell my last name. Also, I'm really active on my blog, Benny Writes. If you go into the search on Benny Writes and just type in History Of, there will be a post that will come up, and it's the History of Sound Fight Cult. And there are links within links within links for anybody who's interested in really exploring this cult. Um, I'm active on Twitter. I have Benny Koshis everywhere on on. Facebook, I'm on Instagram where I do digital art, um, which is an outlet that I use, um, you know, just an emotional outlet. Uh, I'm going to be presenting this year at ICSA's conference in New Mexico. Um, I welcome uh, abuse survivors, not just cult survivors, but I find a lot of um, similarities with, say, Jehovah's Witnesses. Their belief system was very linear to ours. Um, and even within households, you know, so I definitely welcome them to message me, send me emails at benny.koshis at gmail.com. My heart is always open to receive survivors. Very good. Okay. So that actually is a really, really interesting point you bring up about um, Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, This is is a little, little bit of a... Far out kind of question. Just bear with me here. So it seems as if in the the seventies and eighties, I mean, there there are always cults around, but it seems like there was an explosion of them uh, 
in that in those two decades. I know a very good friend of mine. His parents were in a cult called the Family back in the seventies oh, yeah. and eighties. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, was, have you ever found a link? I know they all have different beliefs and different leaders and stuff, but any, any sort of psychological link or sort of any any sort of links between any other cults or, or between the ones you, the one you were in and the contemporary ones. Yes, I mean there are links. Um, I know uh, a couple of Jehovah's Witness people that were sent to a farm called Blueberry, which was like a reform farm where they would send teenagers. There's another cult called In Search of Truth, which is extremely active in Canby, California, and runs a home for youth, which, as I understand, was shut down because of the abuses and reopened by the state with the same employees, which makes no sense. But they often traded members. Um so I have found some connections, and I've had messages from people who say, you know, I was sent here. Was this your cult? So, yeah, there's there's definitely an interwoven mm. web. Okay, yeah, we have a caller. Um, it is Phil from Orange. Phil from Orange, Massachusetts, right? Yes. Is that the or- the right orange? Yes. Okay, very good. N- not the Netherlands. No, not the fruit. <laughs> yes. Not the fruit and not okay. New Jersey. <laughs> uh, Phil from Orange, welcome to uh, WON. Uh, you have a question for Vinny. I do, and I have an observation for you. Sure. The observation is that um, I recently watched an interview with a former defense contractor. This is in California, um, not anything like HARP was involved, um, who said that prior to departing his job, he took ill, he was given an injection. The next morning he went to his car. He had no idea where he worked or where he had worked for the previous two years. So they have got this down to a science. Um, you don't have to be in a high electromagnetic area um, for them to, to manipulate your memory. Yeah. Now, my, qu- my question for your guest is this, and it comes from um, something I learned about Scientology a long time ago, which is that L. Ron Hubbard had amassed a huge uh, debt of penalties to the IRS, and so he cut a deal with them saying, all right, I'll pay this amount of of uh, pennies on the dollar to erase the debt if you classify me as a religion. So my question to your guest is, was this cult classified as a religion? Because a lot of times they can hide behind the First Amendment and then the government can do whatever they want with them. So that's my question. Is this cult a religion, quote-unquote? Yes, it is, and it is um, registered as a nonprofit. All of their um, all of their uh, churches or compounds are registered as nonprofits. And when you look at Alaska at the dividends, uh, and I believe they're also involved in lobbying, which I don't think is supposed to happen. Uh, they could potentially be paying their Alaska dividends right back to themselves. Uh, oh, Bowens Mill, wow. Georgia, meaning back to the state, if that makes sense, is. I gather all of the Alaska dividends from the people in my compound, and then I use some of that money to say lobby a senator who's going to rule on a law that's going to benefit me. I think there's that circle going on. Um, I definitely think it's possible that we children were used uh, on an energy field wave level to do some testing as far as, like, ARP and DARPA, what he Mm -hmm. said. Um, But, yeah, they do, and and they get away. Um, with paying taxes in Bowens Mill, Georgia, they've incorporated the whole town. They have elderly people there. I just talked to a girl not even five, six months ago 
who was desperate to get her mother off of there. Her mother had reported to her that she had been raped. They're all on Social Security and welfare, and they're gathering it. So, yeah. In the Scientology case, uh, I'll, I'll close with this. The issue came up because the FBI was asked, why aren't you looking mm -hmm. into these activities which cross straight, state line? And the answer was, we can't. They're a religion. So mm. there's a problem here, and I just thought I would mm -hmm. bring that up. And, and by the way, thank you so much for your courage. Well, thanks, Phil. I appreciate that so much. Um, you know, I was in Alaska in 2014, and one of uh, the ex-cult members that is a third generation, she just got off about four years ago, we actually spent about an hour first trying to find the FBI office in Fairbanks, which is in a chiropractic office. It's very odd. Um, we finally got one of the FBI officers to come into the hallway and speak with us. And as soon as I said the word cult, he said, wait, 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 well, let's not call it a cult yet. Oh, my God. And he just did not seem interested. And so her and I looked at each other, and I just said, you know what? If you can't see that this is a cult, then what more can you do? Because you can't even identify it from its base. Well, you know, in, in Waco, um, there were allegations, the whole area was rife with allegations about what was mm -hmm. going on sexually at, with the Branch Davidians, and apparently right. it was known, nothing was done about it. The reason the government stepped in had nothing to do with child rape. It had everything to do with automatic weapons in the barn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, that's true. Okay. But well, I've, I've monopolized your time, so I'm going to No, that's off. okay, Phil. No, no, the good, good caller. Thank you very much. Yeah. You take care. Thank you, Vinny. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. So, uh, Vinny, uh, you know, now, uh, we're very reluctant to get into conspiracy theories and things of this kind, but there, mm -hmm. are, there are things that, that happen that you just can't ignore. Uh, right. Coincidences, and, and uh, m much of what you've discussed is, is simply undeniable, and uh, the question mm -hmm. that, that might uh, come to my mind at this point is uh, if uh, the members of the cult were used, being used as guinea pigs in some sort of uh, experiment, uh, the, the question is, Aside from behavioral mo behavior modification or mind control studies, what other reason could there have been for um, these for some sort of experiments? Uh, memory, uh, as as you have suggested, and and that that uh, Phil, uh, our caller, suggested as well. Uh, and uh, I'm looking at the operation uh, point that you made that you have no memory of. Um, has it, have you thought of any? other explanations for being experimented upon other than behavior modification? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, I've talked with, and I know we're running short on time, but, you know, my father, he went on to work at Groom Lake for the rest of his life. So we've had some pretty deep conversations of what he feels comfortable talking about. He's very respectful of his oath that he took to government, yeah. but uh, as far as privacy. But... Yeah. You know, he'll say things hypothetically if a, the government was going to use a cult to hide a program. Not all of the cult members would know necessarily. Maybe oh, it would no. be the three or four children or five children they're testing on, the handler. And I know who my handler was because this person was with me from the time I was brought to the cult and was very, I mean, we could get into that, but that's going to wipe out our time. Right. Um, first the military would be a great place to look for those children that are highly sensory, um, may have um, uh, a, a little bit more of a, of a high IQ, a different DNA. 
um, within their special projects groups with people like my father, who's a very brilliant man. Um, so not everybody would know. Uh, the cult could possibly be a cover for the operation. Um, well, maybe there a- was a calibration being done. Maybe they needed to take the highest sensitive children they could find and maybe use it for some sort of calibration with her. I, I mean, these are, again, hypotheses. These are not, you know, I don't have proof of them. That's it. You know, you, um, you never can get the possibilities, proof. right? Yeah. Well, I, I just wanted to point out to the audience, you referred to Groom Lake, where your father later worked. Uh, that mm-hmm. That is uh, Area 51, popularly right. known, uh, where I was chased across the desert at one point mm-hmm. by a government vehicle. And even done anything, and uh, this is the area where um, very um, uh, sensitive uh, secret uh, operations occur in the sense of developing the stealth aircraft, things of this kind, and and re- and reportedly uh, UFO and alien bodies are there, UFOs and, and things are experimented right. upon, reverse engineered. So so when you when Venny says Groom Lake, that that's the area she's referring to. Uh, no one's really entirely sure about about most of this. And I want to tell you this: my father was a propulsionary expert. So put that together with Groom Lake and there. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it possible? Now, now we're wildly speculating here. Um, is it possible that you, your mother and you and you, you and your siblings were chosen for for a whatever experiment may or may not have been going on, or may have been going on, because of your father's association with government work? I mean, it's possible. Yes, and and my mother was used as a visionary. Uh, because she was also clairvoyant, but see, clairvoyancy was considered demon possession. But if you, but if it was used praying to God for a vision or a message from the future, if you classified it as, oh, I got a message from God, then it was approved of. I say, huh? So they used her to, and I mean, again, there's a whole other story we could get into about. You know, how they made decisions and they used visionaries to make decisions and there was always three of them. And when you do a scientific study, you do use clusters of three. I mean, the CIA do this in questioning, watching body language. Yeah, that's clusters true. Clusters of three, if you have two, right? You yeah. have positive. Yeah. So, yes, they used her for that. Now, Vinny, we've got just a few more minutes, but I, I wanted to get into, unless Ben has something else at I, this point. I do not. Okay. Uh, could you tell us about the paranormal experiences that you have had since this cult experience uh, because you know you never know when the, there could be connections or a larger picture here the first one that I had was in Tennessee I was around 16 years old maybe a little bit younger I had a boyfriend um, he got stuck quite a few miles away in another town my mom let we had an old Bonneville and she let me drive the Bonneville that was after the bright orange Um And then, uh, so I'm driving down this road, no lights. Of course, we're in a very, very rural area, and it took me about two hours to get there. I went underneath an underpass, and as soon as I went to go under the underpass, the, it lit up like a football field. What I do remember about my body is my body tingled, I mean, to where I was shaking. Not a fear shaking but an actual skin shaking as if, like, I was being, um, it wasn't painful. It was just a shivering, just a like this. So Mm -hmm. by the time I got to pick him up, I was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, because I wasn't very, I was very naive. I didn't have a lot of knowledge of these types of things. And so 
um, you know, he was talking me down and like, you know, calm down a little bit, you know, let's see. So we went back and we purposely turned around. He's like, maybe there's something that your headlights hit and lit up. And I was like, no, 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 it wasn't like that. You don't understand. It was a very fluorescent light. It wasn't like that. I, I know this, this wasn't that. And of course, nothing lit up. So that, I believe, absolutely was a, 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 a ship. Now, I mean, I have my own understandings of the difference between aliens and extraterrestrials um, and what the difference in the ships are and those types of things. But, again, that's <laughs> probably another show. But Yeah, um, yeah I think we just scratched the surface time. here today. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, we have. Very interesting. Well... Um, I, I, we're just about out of time, Vanny, but uh, tell us once more uh, your book. The book is Cult Child, and tell mm-hmm. us again about the website and where can people get the book. VennyKoshis.com. I'm on Amazon, Goodreads, uh, Barnes & Noble. Um, but if you go and you click the pictures on my website, it'll take you straight to Amazon. Um, and I do really encourage people, too, to also explore my gratitude journal because that system is really, truly what brought me into my healing journey. Um, just and it's very simple, so that's the best place to start to find me. And uh, let's—I'll just speak for everyone here at Behind the Paranormal and, and ON twelve forty, and just say thank you for what you do. And uh, I'll echo our callers' comment that you are a per- certainly a courageous person. And uh, oh, thank you, thank you. So we'll be talking again. I think we. Uh, we may have a few more uh, show fodder, some fodder for some more shows in here. Any, again, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you so uh, much for having me. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Yes, thank All you. All right, thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, we got a lot of announcements here. Uh, ben, what's cooking? Uh, well, in the kitchen, we have our new book, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong. Uh, it is in most bookstores, and if they don't have it, they can get it. It's also available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and other online real te- realtors, retailers. Uh, but if you're really serious... <laughs> a trademark, you know. You're a registered trademark. Thank you. But if you're really serious, you can get an autographed copy uh, at our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, or our main website, uh, NewEnglandGhosts.com. Okay. Now, we had a great time yesterday during our event and signing at the Toadstool Bookshop in Keene, New Hampshire. Many thanks to Lincoln Wirt of the bookstore staff and the many folks who turned out to see us. Now, I've got to say, those folks up there, they really know how to publicize an event. We had a lot of people. I think we sold almost every book. It was a great venue, too, and they had a really, really cool little cafe in there. It yeah. Was, it was a nice place. So so check it out, folks. And we're going to be back there in October, hopefully, with our, our uh, forthcoming book, uh, the title of which is... Uh at the moment, uh, behind the paranormal, uh, Bigfoot, Mothman, and monsters you never heard of. Uh, much better. Made for young people. Oh, and so much uh, just, just a great place. So check it out anytime. It's the Toadstool Bookshop in Keene, New Hampshire. And that is not all for our events. Our next event, uh, the New England Parafest in Kittery, Maine, on Saturday, April 29th. Uh, there will be many great speakers, including our frequent co-host, Shane Searway, and our great friends, Tom D'Agostino and Arlene Nicholson. And many others. Now, we have a double feature in Connecticut on Saturday, May 6th. Uh, we'll address the Connecticut chapter of MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, very credible organization, at 11 a.m., and then transport ourselves across the Connecticut River to South Windsor, where we will present at the new home of the Book Club Bookstore at 3 p.m. That'll be an encore performance. That was a, our first uh, event after the book uh, release took place. Nice. Uh, that's free and open to the public. Uh, both events are, and um, except for the first event, you have to pay for your own food, but that's it. All right, well, then there's also the Saucer Symposium at the KRI Center for Consciousness Studies in uh, Statham, New Hampshire, uh, on May 22nd and 21st. 
or 22nd, on the 20th and 21st, sorry about that, uh, we'll present on Saturday and then on Sunday, and we'll do the uh, live show noon to uh, 1 p.m. from the event with a panel of speakers. And uh, moving right along, we'll be back at the wonderful Book Lovers Gourmet Bookstore and Cafe in Webster, Mass., right there in our listening area on Saturday, June 17th at 1 p.m. And that brings us to June 24th, another Saturday, and we'll be back at the Danbury Public Library in Connecticut where we will do something we've never done before, a presentation specifically for young people aged 7 to 14 years old. The program, Monster Hunters, a cryptozoology workshop with Paul and Ben Eno. In fact, uh, stimulated by this uh, whole idea, we uh, are going to be working on this book that uh, Ben that we mentioned uh, with the uh, Bigfoot Mothman and Monsters You Never Heard Of. Uh, new events are being added frequently, so check BehindTheParanormal.com or our show Facebook page for updates. Indeed, you can also check out our uh, YouTube channel that's Behind the Paranormal Case Files and our fourth video about the famous Bridgeport Poltergeist case of 1974 in which my dad worked with Ed Lorraine Warren will be posted someday. Uh, <laughs> I have to... It's, it's, it's a very long and annoying process and Despite everything that's happened over the last couple of months, time will be found and it will be done. Anyway, uh, meanwhile, find out more about the show, our public appearances, and more at BehindTheParanormal.com, show website, where you'll find over 700 free recorded shows from both ON 1240 and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. And many of you will be happy to know that this site is being redesigned. Uh, also, NewEnglandGhosts.com, where you can find a lot of cases and some cool photographs uh, from our bizarre experiences over the what we combined. We're almost up to 60 years combined experience at this point. Wow, we're old. You're not old. I'm old. Well, together, combined, you said. Well, combined, I guess we're both old. All right, so what do we got next week, Ben? Okay, so next week we have, uh, on Sunday, uh, March 22nd, we welcome the 20, great... 26th, I believe. 26th. Why do I keep wanting to say the 22nd? Uh, we welcome Something the great... will happen to you that day. Probably. We welcome the great Jim Mars for a look at science, science fiction, and the multiverse. So you can get your questions in now at BehindTheParanormal.com for what seems to be a pretty multifaceted show. <laughs> Indeed. See what you did there. Uh, we leave you this afternoon with an uplifting thought from American poet and essayist Ralph Waldo Emerson. We still have like a minute, by the way. Well, it's a long quote. Okay, fine. Be not the slave of your own past. Plunge into the sublime seas, dive deep and swim far. So you shall come back with self-respect, with new power, with an advanced experience, and that shall explain and overlook the old. Wow. A fine, cool, huh? a very, a very profound quote. A fine quote. Yes, yes indeed. indeed. I was trying to think of, a, of an alliteration in honor of your love for alliterations. Yeah, alliteration for those who are uninitiated are uh, w- words who's th- who, that sound alike, like uh, a clatter of cryptids, that sort of thing, which you took such acceptance to as the title of the new book. But anyway, we'll uh, we'll li- be that as it may. I'm Paul Eno, and I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we shall see you behind the paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.